Welcome to NetFront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon, the Post-Dispatch, joined by the beat reporters Jim Thomas and Matthew DeFranks. And guys, here we are at the All-Star break. And uh, yeah, it, um, geez, I wish we could try to find something good to say, but we'll just have to plow into it, JT. Just, uh, it just kept going bad, and it certainly ended bad uh, going into the break. And so, so here we are, a team that uh, it clearly just seems sunk. First off, I'd like to say to Blues fans and really some of the the uh, Blues writers that uh, uh, now you now you're experiencing what the other half is like. Uh, the Blues fans have been incredibly spoiled here for for a long time. I covered about a decade of this, my last decade with the uh, with the Rams, and it's hard to believe. I'm sure many Blues fans are in shock, although the the signs have been uh, out there for a while. But uh, yeah. Uh, a very real prospect of a losing season, which just doesn't happen with the Blues and missing the playoffs, which hardly ever happens. And then on top of that, uh, and I'm sure most fans are rooting for it now, uh, a roster that's going to get uh, uh, shaken up. There's no guarantee, let me tell you, that these moves will work. But uh, yeah, this is how the other half lives. And it's, uh, uh, as I wrote today, it's uh, it's going to be a rough uh couple months unless some miracle happens which i don't think any of us expect but a rough couple months because uh the prospect of the blues playing meaningless hockey for any extended period of time i mean jeff uh obviously you've been around there's there's no one actively covering hockey in st louis that's been around longer than you when's the last time there was a year like this oh six oh seven oh eight i mean it's it's quite a while a lot a lot of blues fans weren't blues fans when that happened yeah, Matt, uh, the, uh, the Blues fans did go through this back through one of the many ownership changes when Bill and Nancy Laurie decided to get out. Uh, Mark Sauer, the team president, kept insisting hockey could never work in St. Louis. They just pulled the shoot, traded Chris Pronger, dumped assets, and sent poor Mike Kitchen out to, to die uh, behind the bench. And it was an unpleasant uh, unpleasant experience. Uh, and, and in the the NHL, I mean, the, the, the tough part, though, Matt, in this market um, – you just can't afford this team's not going to be able to afford to be bad for for long and you have ambitious ownership so um you know history tells us that it can be difficult to turn things around it could take time but there's going to be pressure to, to turn this thing around quickly yeah and, and turning around quickly is something that's not really seen a, a ton at the nhl level i mean some teams are able to do it uh, i mean i think you we look and look at the rangers uh and what they've done uh, with getting Lafreniere and and Kako and uh, getting high end guys top in in the draft there, but that was a few years of being bad, and then they kind of made their runs to the Eastern Conference Final last year, and they're good again this year, and they kind of had a, a quick turnaround thanks to their draft picks and some free agent signings with Panarin and um, Trocheck, and obviously it, it helps having a Vezina winner back there. So you can look at some teams and be hopeful. But when you look at this roster, it's it's tough to find a number one defense. I know we've 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 beat this this horse uh, a ton, but you know even using the Rangers example, Adam Fox was there, right? And uh, and they had that guy, and so that makes turnarounds easier. And even if you looked at Dallas, and you know they had two down years the last two years, they missed the playoffs, got bounced in the first round last year. Uh, if you want to count those as their down years. They still had Miro Haskin to, to fall back on and Jake Ottinger, young goaltender, to fall back on. So looking at this Blues roster, you can see some promise in some of the prospects coming up. And 
kind of hope that they'll be there, but that's not going to be a next year or, or maybe even the year after that, where they're key contributors at an NHL level. So it, it could be a, a painful, rough couple of years, uh, unless, you know, JT and I have talked about this before. You got to, if you move salary out, if you use the assets you get at the trade deadline to acquire uh, someone in the summer, uh, maybe it can lessen your turnaround time, but that's uh, a major surgery. It's going to have to happen. You know, we'll see what happens uh, in about a month or so at the trade deadline to, to get it started. Yeah, JT, uh, we did get a major trade, which really reminds you how these things work. Uh, Bo Horvat, I thought was the best player available. Some may argue that Timo Meyer was, but I love Horvat as an all-around player. Uh, he fetches uh, a number one pick protected uh, from being in the top 12 for this upcoming year. Otherwise, it's 2014 or 2024. They get a, a prospect who was picked in the second round is probably going to be at least a, a top nine forward. Uh, from the Islanders, the Islanders making this, uh, sending these guys to Vancouver, the, the number one, the uh, prospect, and then um, uh, Beauvillier, a forward who probably overpriced at 4.1 plus million, but a pretty good player. So they get a guy who can play, a young guy who can play, and then a, a number one, all for a guy with an expiring contract. Vancouver keeps 25% of the salary, and New, New York is going to try to sign him. So this is pretty much the model for all of these deals at the deadline. What you hope to get, uh, a premium pick, a prospect of some description, and a guy who can play. Now, can you get that for 91? I don't think you can get quite the, as high a price, but that was sort of the framework that we've seen again and again, and it was executed by Vancouver. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and, 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 and here's the thing. In terms of the seasons that they're having, both uh, Tarasenko and uh, O'Reilly are not having even a Bo Horvat type season. They're both, what, about maybe four years, four years older than uh, Horvat. Let, let's make no mistake, and th this is this is true going way back uh, to the, uh, the eight-game uh, losing uh, uh, streak early in the season. Uh, Doug Armstrong's getting plenty of calls. The thing is, what are you going to get in, uh, in return for these guys? And you 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 look around most of the the North American pundits. They O'Reilly, Tarasenko, they're at the top of the kind of the trade bait or the trade lists. Uh, Barbashev's uh, 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 getting a lot of a lot of play. Uh, uh, I, I think. Uh, I, and again, who knows if uh, if uh, Doug Armstrong would be willing to trade in a division? I think Win Winnipeg's interested in uh, in uh, Barbashev, and then then you also have Achari and uh, Mikola. So uh, I think there's no shortage of, of teams that would be interested in these guys. But I, I really think, especially the way their, their seasons are going or at their age, it's, it's kind of unrealistic to think you're going to get, uh, you know, a Bo Harvat uh, return. But yeah, kind of a, a bar has certainly been set. I, I, I don't know about you guys. I'm surprised something happened so quickly. But in the case of the Islanders, uh, they're two points out now, so I guess they 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 figured, man, we got to make something happen now. It may be too late uh, if we don't do anything by March the third. Yeah, I agree with you, JT. I think the timing of it is also another aspect that affects the return, right? So, you know, trade deadline's not for you know a month and two days now, and if you're the Islanders, you say, okay, well, we'll pay a little bit more because we're getting an extra month. And for a rental, an extra month is an extra third of their time with the team. And so the price that they pay plus the salary retention uh, is going to be higher than, you know, deadline deals that we see on March 3rd that 
they won't have that extra month with the team and we'll see what it looks like with retention and all that stuff too. But uh, I, I think JT brings up a good point with their production and their age. I mean, Bo Horvat's having a career year, right? He's shooting the lights out. His shooting percentage is, is really high and who knows if that's sustainable or not, but he's producing uh, at a level that he hasn't before in a contract year. And that's just not true for, for Ryan O'Reilly, especially, but, uh, but also a little bit of Vladimir Tarasenko. I know he's, he's technically an all-star and he's going down to sunrise this week. Um, but we can agree that this has not have been uh, one of his career years that he's had before. So the, the production that they've had this year and the form that they're in, uh, we'll see what kind of return, but I, I think this is, is wishful thinking to, to think that this, the blues would, uh, would get this kind of return for, for those guys. Uh, I can understand if it's the asking price for sure. Uh, Doug Armstrong is, it's his job to get as much as he can out of these players. Uh, but between the timing, uh, the production of Bo Horvat, the 25% salary retention and, and all of that combined, I think it, it impacts the price. And, you know, to be honest, uh, I think some people in, in Vancouver were kind of underwhelmed by the return. I mean, I know Altu Ratti was supposed to be a, a number one pick a few years ago, and then he kind of fell down the draft boards. And, um, you know, that that first rounder may be a mid-first rounder that they get, and uh, it will be because it's protected, right? So, um, and then Beauvillier, is, he's a serviceable, but it's not a, a franchise-altering move. Uh, so I think we probably have to temper some expectations here. The thing is, you add three or four of those types of trades, and suddenly you have, something right if you have Tarasenko, O'Reilly, Barbashev, Achari, Mikola you have all of those assets and combine them all and suddenly you have something that can uh, can change a franchise yeah I'll really give Lou Lamoriello as uh, our old president Jack Quinn would say uh, a lot of credit for that because he gave basically money in money out by getting the retention in uh, in Vancouver on Horvat and moving out Bovillia who they'd gotten tired of because those 18 goal seasons have been in the rearview mirror and he's been frustrating the group, you know, ends up with an even money deal, gets a great two-way player and, you know, might have the cap space to keep them. And certainly that's the stated goal. So certainly a, a headliner between uh, the, the, the attempt for retention and the, uh, the extra month of getting them while they're in a, in a playoff chase. Uh, the guy you mentioned JT, I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm going through and trying to do uh, the midterm, um, gallery of grades which are going to be pretty dismal for our heroes um online next week on stl today our post-dispatch website so far the only guy that i can feel good about is one of the guys you just mentioned Noel Atari. i mean i believe so far i haven't gone all the way to the bottom of the roster but he may be the only guy who's not underwater in terms of expected goals for this team obviously uh, a lot of hits block shots tough minutes um I, I we got to have some happiness to discuss uh, on this podcast. If I were to look at the whole group at the break, he may be the the top uh, grade getter. And of all the guys to forget in my article today, I, I wrote maybe the few guys that were playing well. I, I forgot Achari. Achari is he's so much fun to watch because he's a checking fiend. The guy checks and checks, plays a hard game. He's the perfect guy for. Baruby and what Baruby wants to do and and uh he's also you know uh you know he'll score some goals uh uh what's he got nine now ten now so uh 
uh, yeah, he, he's, <laughs> he might be the MVP, which is hard to say for a fourth line center. Maybe that's telling, maybe that tells you where the, where the, the, the team is at, but, uh, uh, he's also drawing some interest and he's, he's going to be a, a guy that's not going to cost a arm and a leg to, uh, uh, to, 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 to resign. And, uh, s- s- reportedly, uh, Vegas has some, uh, has some interest, uh, in him. Uh, so yeah, it would be, it would be tough to see him go. Uh, obviously what he's been doing now playing as a second line center, I don't think he's quite Ivan Barbashev in that. I mean, I, I think probably the highest you can go and expect something out of Achari is having him play the third line. But yeah, he's he's uh, he, he's not the reason why the Blues are in their current mess. That's for sure. Yeah, he's played his role pretty well. Um, you know, I, I think the the Blues are not a very good faceoff team, and he's one of those guys that's at 53-54%. And we've seen at times uh, they use him on the power play just to win a draw and, and get off. And um, you know, I think we've probably seen that in, in other situations, some five overtime, stuff like that, just because he is at 53% and the rest of the team is, is not. Uh, so he has that, he has a penalty kill and he has a checking. Um, and, and I think JT, like you mentioned, third line is probably where you, you want him at best, um, on a contending team where they have three scoring lines. He is a, a perfect fourth line center, uh, especially at 1.25 this year. A lot of teams can can fit that in, I think, uh, with minimal surgery. Um, and it's just weird because every discussion kind of comes back to the trade deadline now. Huh? <laughs> every discussion is is where do we go from here? Because uh, you know they are on pace for what seventy nine points now. So uh, I, I look at at Colorado and what they did at the deadline last year, uh, getting Lekkonen, getting Codliano, and you know I think I mentioned this in the chat last week that when I look at Achari and I look at Barbashev, I see some sort of similarities where if you have a, a versatile forward that can play up and down the lineup, uh, like Barbashev or Lekkonen, um, that's worth something on a contender where they just have a little role to fill. They don't need to do too much. They just have uh, role players they need to find. And same thing for Achari and you find a penalty killing bottom six forward, uh, like Andrew Codliano was last year for Colorado and there are there are teams that need that, and that would that would pay for that. And I think those would be two interesting names to watch. Um, I mean, I guess we've been watching them for a while, but uh, two interesting names to look out for on March third. And I think there would be some some interest, as you mentioned, Jim. Now, JT, the the interesting thing with Barbashev is that you know we all knew that last year was not sustainable. His offense, he shot at a staggering you know shooting percentage really twice uh the norm and as a result he he got a bunch of goals which ultimately will impact his ability uh in the marketplace it just he did drive up his value he is not a a 25 26 goal scorer that's not who he is um but what we're seeing this year a guy who can score some um drives the net skates hits people um has been less terrible than many of his teammates in terms of uh, playing responsible hockey. Uh, but he's just at a point for the Blues where he's going to get pretty good money and he's going to get some term. He's at that point in his career where it's time to earn. And for a team that's going to go through a lot of change, um, it gets harder for the Blues, I think, to make that commitment. And besides him having value to other teams, there comes a question, can a rebuilding team commit um, more notable money to Ivan? 
um, than what they've been paying him because yeah, he's doing a nice bump. Yeah, and I not that Ivan's told me this personally, nor would I expect him to, but I, I think that's exactly it. He's got one good contract left in his career, and, and, and this is it. And uh, probably because of everything you've just talked about, he's not going to get it with St. Louis. And he's a guy, does he do anything great? No, but he's, he's pretty good at a lot of things. And uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of value to that. I think he's a very good penalty killer. I'm surprised he's, he hasn't been used as much on the PK this year, although there have been stretches where he's played more. He's not uh, great on the on the power play, but he's a guy that can uh, can help you. So, yeah, I, I, I think everything about Ivan points to the fact that, you know, he's going to be he's going to be valued more by by another team than. And not that the Blues don't value him, but just that with everything else going on, that the uh, that the Blues can can uh, uh, can pay. And like uh, uh, Matt mentioned uh, uh, just now, you know there are some similarities between Achari and uh, Barbashev. I think Barbashev is probably a a more skilled version of Achari, just 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 overall. Yeah, and I think just based on on cap space available in the summer, uh, it's going to be tough to prioritize bringing back Ivan Barbashev. Um, you know, just doing some math, and I, I think my math comes out to thirteen and a half million uh, available, and that's not counting re-signing Perunovic, Torpchenko. Uh, you have holes up front. You need a, a top six forward, a middle six forward, a bottom six center. You fill out the roster with a with an entry level deal or a minimum guy, and um, that's pretty much what you got. And uh, I don't know if they have the the space to to go after Ivan Barbashev uh, if he is just a, a middle six guy for, to them. Um, you know, I don't think we've seen enough skill out of him to, to think that he is a top six forward in the NHL to be paid on a multi-year deal like that. So he'd probably be too expensive for that middle six, not good enough uh, skill-wise for a top six role. Um, at least salary-wise and production-wise. So uh, it's tough to see the, the Blues bringing him back next year just because of all those different factors and all the different areas they need to address with limited cap space. But, you know, we'll, we'll see if they end up moving money out and, and what they do with that. But uh, I think it'd be kind of a, a tough sell to pay Barbashev for the high shooting percentage and, and you know, the, the 26th goal year last year versus uh, – versus kind of what he's turned in this year, which has been a little bit more of the, the norm in his career. Well, JT, one thing that's kind of painful to do in this exercise of looking at the, the team at the break is, uh, you know, look at what's happened to uh, to Ryan O'Reilly. And just really over the last couple of years, looking at his usage uh, diminish, uh, certainly his power play role uh, diminish. And then just the, uh, you know, with the scramble uh, that the frontline uh, assignments became, um, you know, just the uh, just the disappearing of of the, the playmaking piece. I mean, it's he's still sh- shooting the puck about the same amount of time. He's he's converting uh, some some shots and when he, when he's healthy. But boy, just a, just kind of a crater year. And uh, you know, just like a zero point five point shares and that and that and that uh, metric. I mean, it's just it's it's really shocking. And he's at a point where you know that somebody's it's not so much that somebody somebody's going to want him for the for the for face-offs and some matchups in the postseason but you know where do you go after this year i mean what can ryan o'reilly's going to have to have a remarkable return from injury to get another contract that um 
that pays much of anything, <laughs> I'm afraid. Uh, 31 years old, the whole bit. I mean, it's you look at the last three years and you look at the the trending, JT. It's it's pretty rough for for a guy who we know is a heart and soul dude. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, if you're another team interested in him and a, a team that that uh, contending team that maybe you need a second or third line uh, center, how much do you weigh this season in now? Uh, <clears throat> has I, I don't think the foot is something that's bothered him earlier I, I i think that was i think that was just a a a shot so yeah what what's he have six assists that's the thing that just keeps slapping me in the face here he has just six assists and that's what he did best his goal scoring was ac- actually above uh his his uh his uh pace of uh uh last year with the blues and the, the thing i noticed too is he loses more this year, he's lost more puck battles than than uh, 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 than normal, and that, that's what's fed whatever line he's been on the possession game. Yes, he misses. We all know he misses Perron, but it can't be it can't be this much. It can't be to this degree. I think of in football, if you're a wide receiver or a, a cornerback, and you just and you're not that fast to begin with, but you have a lot of other assets. When you reach the point in your career where you lose that step or that half step, it's kind of over for you. And I wonder if that's where O'Reilly is. Has he lost that step or half step as a skater? And just with his skill set, is that part of the reason why he's no longer nearly as effective? Yeah, he's an interesting case uh, for sure. I mean, uh, I think when we looked at the assists and we talked about them, obviously you mentioned David Perron not being here is, is a big factor, but you know, I think the other team-wide part of it is they weren't going to shoot as well as they did last year. Uh, and, you know, obviously you don't have as high a shooting percentage, you score less goals, you have fewer assists. Um, and I, I don't know if it's disproportionately affecting Ron O'Reilly that his uh, the rest of the team isn't kind of scoring as much as they did last year or, or what, but, you know, that's something that can, can impact numbers, obviously. Uh, you know, I looked at his plus minus and obviously it's, it's minus 28, not, not good, not where we want to be, but the, the underlying numbers are still not good, but the, the save percentage that he's gotten from his goalies when he's on the ice at five on five is I think 86%. Um, so I think that's the fourth or fifth worst in the league among you know, skaters with, uh, I don't remember the, the, the minute number was, but uh, it's not good. And, and that's something that he obviously can't control. And not saying that that is the entire you know, reason why his numbers are the way that they are. I mean, his play driving numbers aren't where they typically are to begin with. Uh, and then you add, you know, not the team not shooting well, the the goaltender not making as many saves and the numbers look ugly. And, you know, something that I'm, I'm writing today is kind of looking at contract comps for him. Uh, you know, in the summer and what that Nets deal could look like. And, you know, the biggest issue is that there's not a ton of comps for him. Uh, you know, he's going to be 32 this month and, you know, 32 year old two-way center, uh, captain of a team, Con Smythe winner, that's coming off a, bear, a very poor season. I think when you account for the missed time due to injuries, he's probably going to end up around 30 points this season. And what do you pay a 32-year-old that had come to us a 30-point 30, 30 season? It's tough. And, you know, the, the, the easiest comp is, is 
Plageru based in uh, in Ottawa last year. Um, just based on his his age, position, kind of stature in the league, but he signed for six five, and and I don't think O'Reilly's going to get close to that. Uh, you can look deeper uh, last few years, and you start uncovering names like Michael Granlund, and given his uh, you know two way status and um, point production, it's sad to say that that Ryan O'Reilly could be more in that category than the Claude Giroux category uh, at this point. So. And we'll see what ends up happening, but it's just tough to to pick out recent comps in the flat cap area for for Ryan O'Reilly just based on uh, a number of factors in his uh, year this year. Uh, we'll wrap up by taking a look at um, uh, the three guys are definitely feel very good about going forward with um, Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas. These two, these two guys have played a lot more this year. They've shouldered uh, more time on ice. Uh, bigger share of the power play. Uh, Jordan is uh, putting a lot of pucks on net. Robert's still trying to about the same amount of shooting uh, for Robert, but I think better in the face-offs and better in some other areas. So these two guys, plus uh, another guy that, that would fight Achari for the MVP and probably beat him would be a Pavel Buchnevich, who's had a, a pretty good year in a, in a year where, again, all these guys are underwater as far as the expected goals to the match point about the on-ice save percentage for for anybody who plays for the Blues is not going to be good because of the goaltending. And there's also been the factor of giving up all those empty net goals, which is not helpful uh, at the end of games to um, to um, at least the plus-minus side of it. But these three guys you feel good about if you're a uh, if you're Doug Armstrong. All of them around the point-per-game area. Uh, Bucinevich is in his prime, and, and Kairou and Thomas are getting there. So, JT uh, – this is not like strip it down to the, uh, to the studs and just start right over because you've got guys, you've got a nucleus. Maybe that's it that you feel super good about, mm-hmm. but that's still three pretty highly skilled guys. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely, uh, definitely the place to start now, but you has had, uh, uh, some, uh, obviously some, uh, injury issues, but, uh, you've got these guys, obviously, especially Kyron and, and, and Thomas for a while. I mean, this was really, we could kind of see it coming last year, but where it was moving towards Thomas and Cairo are the future of the team. And this was really the first year because of the contracts and it didn't work out. I mean, we can't get into the heads of the players, but you just, there, there had to be some friction with guys like Tarasenko, even uh, Mr. Nice Guy Rowley thinking, well, where's mine? Where's my contract? So this was this was their their first tour as leaders of the team. We've seen at times during injuries where Thomas wore an A. So that's where that's that's headed. But uh, yeah, this is the the new nucleus of the team, especially up front. And uh, again, all all of them have been have, have been uh, uh, pretty good. When you're at a point per game pace, even in this uh, this high scoring. Uh, era that we're that we're in right now in the nhl that that that's pretty good that's that's the starting point uh for this team yeah it's a great foundation to build off of up front uh obviously we can see what thomas and Cairo do when they play together and the chemistry they have the passing ability uh jordan Cairo obviously being a, a great and prolific shooter um in terms of volume and and Bushnevich is a guy that can do it all and and those three are enough for, for right now. You hope that that next wave arrives and becomes, uh, you know, top six NHL caliber players. Uh, you know, whether you look at Snuggerud and Bolduc, um, you know, 
probably wishful thinking that that both of them hit and probably more realistic that only one of them becomes a a key contributor at the NHL level. And if you have that nucleus, that core of four or five guys that can deepen your top six or even lengthen your, your three scoring lines, if you build around them, uh, you have something that you can fill in with free agency trades, um, you know, depth draft picks. Uh, they have the ability to do that up front, given the pieces they have with Thomas Cairo and Buchnevich. And even if you want to count Snuderud and Bolduc uh, coming in and neighbors kind of coming into his own the last few weeks as well. So uh, they have pieces up there. It's just uh, the same thing we've talked about a lot is, is on the back end um, that where the real issues are. Yeah, you don't have a number one. And maybe this year, the way things are going, um, even a number two or number three, I'll give Justin Falk a shout out. I think he's a, he could be a, a, certainly a, yeah, number on a on a good day, he might be a, a solid number two type uh, defenseman. But in terms of matching him up all the time against other teams' top lines, he's really top four guy that you can use some in that role. But you just don't have that top pairing. So um, and the search will continue. And good luck drafting one of those guys or several of those guys going forward. So this will be a, a tricky time. I'll give one a one other guy. I want to give a quick shout out to because he scored a fancy goal, JT. And we haven't mentioned him yet. Jake Neighbors had a fancy goal, home run pass, and uh, he made a move. And he had enough. He got in there and he made a move. He scored a goal. Now, he's not going to be a big goal scorer, but um, you know he's a guy for this the last thirty games or so. If he can hold up, he's going to get some minutes, and he's he's going to get a chance to try to advance his career. Yeah, I, I he's definitely a, a middle six. I think maybe at, he he matches out at a fifteen to twenty goal guy. It was funny in the stadium after the the goal. All of, uh, what's it called now? Canada Life Center, Canada Tire, Rogers Place, whatever. Uh, they were like stunned. They were like, how did that happen? You know, because Hellebuck's very good, you know. But, uh, yeah, and that's one thing as you watch that game. You see neighbors and you see Alexandrov, who is definitely a bottom six guy, probably a fourth line guy. But you, you, you see those guys score goals. They both played well when you're up and you're like, okay, there's, there's a little hope for the future. And then boom, uh, the team collapses and, and gives up uh, uh, four goals. So, yeah. So you have, this is my attempt at a, uh, a glass half full. And then, uh, you know, uh, you have, besides the, 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 the big three that we mentioned, Thomas Kyron, you know, Saad's got what he's got a couple years left. Uh, Shan is still an effective player. And, and so it's not totally hopeless. Jeff, I just want somebody to prevent goals. I, I think the <laughs> offense is okay. Can anyone prevent goals? 3.6 goals. I'll, I'd have to look this up. I haven't looked it up in a while. When's the last time they've given up that many goals? And it's just, it's just amazing to me that they've gotten this bad this quickly on defense. And I'll shut up now. <laughs> Matt, can you find any hope? Do you see any glimmer there? Don, I, I just reach, just scrape through there, see if there's anything that you can find that will give us any hope that our heroes will have a little better goal prevention before this thing ends. Uh, yeah, just quick thing on the Canada arenas. Uh, yeah, I think it's Canada Life Center in Winnipeg. But if you say Rogers or Scotiabank, you got like half of them covered up there. Health uh, Center, whatever you're, you got them yeah, all. <laughs> yeah, you got them all pretty much covered. You say like those three companies. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the the sods and shens are, are good kind of the, those those depth fill-ins uh that you can spread around the lineup up top and as far as goal prevention uh mm. 
I don't know. I, I'll have to see it. I'll have to see it before I start hoping for it. Uh, well, on that note, an honest note, an assessment from our beat reporter, reporters, Jim Thomas and Anthony DeFranks. I'm Jeff Gordon, bidding you well. A reminder, you can see all of our uh, videos, hear all of our podcasts, read all of our content on uh, the online edition of the Post-Dispatch at stltoday.com. And also, we're still grinding out our print edition. We appreciate all of you who support local journalism. Which it's upward and onward for the Post and for our reporting team. And as far as the Blues go, well... It'll be interesting to see how it plays out the rest of the way. Until next time, for JT, for Matt, I'm Jeff. See ya.